Yo, welcome back to the Take Two podcast. My name is Kaylee, and I have the privilege of being the host here. And this week is the last week of season one of the Take Two podcast. So we're getting ready to head home for winter break, and we're going to take a few weeks off, and season two will start in January. Um, so if you haven't had time to listen to everything, feel free to, to go back and listen through stuff and, and catch up. But today is... Um, and exciting. We're going to talk through Mark 15 and, and wherever we go from there um, will be just awesome. But we're going to talk about Jesus' coronation of being a king. And so we've got Lance Williamson here to talk with us and share all of his Bible knowledge <laughs> and history. So Lance, what do, you, what do you have to share with us about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm Lance Williamson, uh, first timer on the podcast, so I'm very honored to be here. Um, also a first year staffer, so um, it's been exciting, it's been fun um, being a part of the, the Trine crew, um, how goofy they are, <laughs> I, I think I fit right in, you know. Um, yeah, so I'm the assistant campus minister here. Um, I don't have a special role, I just kind of, I joke that I'm like the utility guy, I do a little bit of everything, you know, electrical Maybe piping, you know, if any, if anything's <laughs> broken. <laughs> Just calling the utility guy, you know, that's what I'm there for. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it's been a fun year so far. <laughs> yeah. The team feels a little more complete with you on staff, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, you've got like a whole load of notes in front of you, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, what from from Mark fifteen? Where, where do we, where do you want to start? Yeah, I was thinking maybe we just like read back through it um, and talk about like the nine things that mm-hmm. Travis was talking about and kind of like where they occur, um, or we just like run through the the nine things real quick of like a what a coronation is. Let's let's read it first. Okay. So Mark fifteen. Very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then? with one you call the king of the Jews. Pilate asked them, crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to to be crucified. Now we can start getting to the good stuff. The soldiers led Jesus away into into the palace, that is the praetorium, And called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, and when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of... Uh, Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews, they crucified two rebels with him. On his, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross, that we may see and believe. 
those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, if I said that right, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which some of those standing near heard this. Then they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge and with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. He said with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph, and uh, Salome in Galilee, these, women's had, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was with himself, who was with himself uh, waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate uh, and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it on a tomb cut out of the rock. Uh, Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. I guess I didn't have to read the whole chapter, but I did anyways. Like you go. did. <laughs> Adds context to what we're gonna be re- <laughs> like, what we're really gonna dive into. Yeah, so the intro and then the uh, the postscript. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so Tuesday night when Travis shared this with us, he really focused on what would have been sixteen through thirty three, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really like the coronation of Jesus becoming king that we see. Um, and so the nine things that would have been done traditionally for kings to be coronated was one uh, praetorium. Is that how you say that? I think it's praetorium. Praetorium? Praetorium? Yeah. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Praetorium guards gather in the courtyard. Um, Second, a royal robe, crown, and scepter would be given to the emperor. Third, a processional down the streets would happen. Fourth, would be followed by his sacrifice, and the emperor carries the inst- carries in the instru- instrument of death. Um, five, they would ar- arrive at Capitoline Hill and would be offered wine mixed with myrrh. Six, sacrif- a sacrifice would be killed. Seven, ascends the steps of the temple with 24 high priests on his right and commanders of the army on his left. And then eight, emperor claimed as lord and god and people would say praises to him, and then nine people would await a sign from the heavens. And so those are the nine things that we then see when Jesus is is crowned king. Yep. So I assume based on some of the things we've talked about before, you know a little bit more about the like history of coron- the coronation of kings. A little bit. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, I'll pull up my notes here. Um, so, like, Caesar, the emperor, was, well, initially wasn't a title until after Julius was assassinated, and then his adopted heir, Augustus, then took the fr- throne, um, their last names actually being Caesar. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, well, these guys were so great, we're just going to call everyone else Caesar. Um, and then Caesar was was seen as as God. Caesar was God, basically, um, divinely appointed uh, to be the ruler of the Roman Empire. And so they had this great processional, this great coronation, basically like God has come um, and is now going to lead us in whatever's next. Um, kind of funny though, like we were talking on the way over here. They all died. <laughs> Most of them assassinated by other people, yeah. and then they're just like, "Oh yeah, now now I'm God," mm-hmm. <laughs> or "Oh, I was God to begin with, but I killed this person, and so that was just like divine or something like that." Um, 
Yeah, and so Rome had 24 legal religions, so that's where you get the uh, 24 high priests from, uh, one from each religion. And Christianity and Judaism, as you may have guessed, was not included in those 24. Um, and basically each 24 high priest or head priest served as like their imperial representative um, for the Roman Empire. Um, and the priest had a public office and liked to appear at special events like the coronation uh, to kind of make their presence known um, and people knew who they were. Um, and they were often seen wearing white robes and golden crowns and would lead the people in a great chorus and song. That's kind of where the um, singing and praising comes from. And, yeah, that's kind of some of the procession. Each emperor... Um, would choose, like, an animal or multiple animals to, like, represent who they were. So an ox was, like, seen as strength, a lion as veracity, and oftentimes they would also pick, like, the the Roman eagle Mm -hmm. um, as a staple. And uh, oftentimes people would erect several statues of themselves, um, and they liked people worshipping them because, you know, hey, I'm God, you know. Yeah, (laughs) they think they're God, so... (laughs) Of course, they want to be worshipped. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I think something that's just really cool about, like, I love how God uses the same thing. Like, these guys that think they're him Mm. (laughs) and are are crowned kings, he then uses the same thing to crown Jesus. Like, he doesn't doesn't do anything different. He does what people, like, know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just really cool to me that he's like, I don't need to make this any different. I'm just going to do this with the real king. Yeah, I uh, love how, like, relational God is and how, Mm -hmm. like, relational his word is. Like, and Mark is also, like, Mark with the Holy Spirit, so intentional, like, and so, like, intelligent about writing Mm -hmm. this. Uh, It just kind of blows my mind sometimes. Just like, oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Or, yeah. like, how John is, like, the grafted gospel where he's writing to both Jews and Gentiles at the mm-hmm. same time. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's so, so divine. So <laughs> divine. Much more than the uh, Roman emperor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so should we, like, talk through more of what Travis shared? Like, point out each of the nine ways, like, nine things? Yeah, I think that'd be good. That All way right. people... um can can see um hey if you have your text in front of you <laughs> why don't you uh open it up and we'll kind of walk through everything um so in it starts in mark fifteen sixteen. this is where the praetorium guards gather um in the courtyard and so it reads the soldiers that led jesus away into the palace that is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers. So we see this gathering already as, like, Jesus is kind of, like, on his way to be crucified. Um, The next one being um, the royal robe, crown, and scepter was given to the emperor. So we see this in Mark 15, 17 through 19, which reads, They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns, and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And then the third thing, being a processional down the streets in Mark fifteen twenty, uh, And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to, be, to crucify him. Four, being um, followed by his sacrifice and the emperor... Um, is carrying the instrument of death. Um, being in Mark fifteen twenty one, certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Um, and then number five, um, arriving at Capitoline Hill and offering wine mixed with myrrh. Um, we see this in... Verses 22 through 23, they brought Jesus to the place uh, called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And uh, Travis even said this too Tuesday, that like Golgotha actually is like head. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, well, that's like good. <laughs> um, six, the sacrifice is killed. And so um, in verse 24, it says, and they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see uh, what each would get. And seven is ascending the steps of the temple with the 24 high priests on his right and the commanders of the army on his left. Um, in Mark uh, 27, uh, verse 27 of chapter 15, they crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Um, and then emperor uh, acclaimed as Lord and God and people sing praises to him. Um, we see this in verses 29 to 32. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the wall mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And then the last one being, uh, people await a sign from heavens, uh, from the heavens, um, which is in verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Boom, that's it. Boom. Um, man, at number three, I like had never really read, like noticed this before, but it's really interesting how, so the second step message i guess was what i would call it like they put on the purple robe um put him put a crown on him and so they put him in like royal clothes but then in verse 20 they take those off and put like his own clothes back on him and so they like kind of follow the steps of coronation but then they're also like it almost feels like they take those clothes off and they're like yeah you're not actually worthy of these mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you have anything <laughs> like thoughts on that? Yeah, that's what it seems like. And I also noticed in the um, when we were talking about um, number five, mm -hmm. like going up to the hill and being offered wine mixed with myrrh. And I assume that uh, the emperors would drink that. I think. Yeah. Right. Is that what Travis said? Um, but here Jesus does not. He refuses it. Mm -hmm. Almost like. Yeah, I'm not going to kind of buy into whatever you're yeah. doing. I got my own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like those little moments where it, like they're, it's the same process of coronation, but there's little things that show that it's different. Mm. Almost like uh, God's like, hey, you know this. You've heard this story before a million times. Mm-hmm. Now, let me change a few things and show you how I'm different. Yeah. Which, like, kind of takes me back to, like, Genesis, where a lot of it was, like, Mesopotamian, Mesopotamian culture and, like, talking about, like, the flood and all of this other kind of stuff. It's like, hey, you've heard this story a million times. Mm -hmm. It's been passed down to you. You've lived in this society and culture that tells you this is what happens. Let me tell you the exact same story, but let me change a few things and show you how I'm different. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it shows so much of like God as our father, like his heart behind the way he loves us is like, he uses things we're familiar with and that we will understand and comprehend because we've heard them before. Mm -hmm. He's not going to try to teach us something completely new, but he's going to take this thing we're familiar with. And like you're saying, I'm going to show you just how I'm, I'm different. <laughs> yeah. And it's just in like th these little things though. So it's like familiar and kind of comfortable and not like so shocking. Mm -hmm. But there's obviously like a divine aspect to what he's doing <laughs> that makes it different and, and shows his heart behind it more. Yeah. Talk, going back to like, the relational God of like, mm -hmm. I know what your your culture is. I know the history behind what you're walking through right now or what's going on in the world. I know you know this story, so I'm going to tell it to you, but I'm going to change a few things and mm -hmm. pay attention to those changes. Yeah. And let me speak to you in those. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that reminds me, like, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, like, how we know Jesus really well. We, like, barely know the Holy Spirit, and we, like, Mm. don't know God the Father at all. Yeah. And I feel like this gives us a really good, like, picture into who God the Father is as he's, like, sending Jesus to the cross. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. Let's go back to that conversation a little bit, I guess. Yeah. um, So, yeah, I was talking to Jeff Vanderlaan, quite the guy. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff's awesome. (laughs) Jeff is an amazing guy. Uh, I walked away from ICOM with some awesome tidbits from from Jeff. Um, But we were talking about, like, like why why even spend time in like the old testament or like why even try to learn like contextual stuff behind like the bible or you know um cultural narratives like why even try to like learn them um and he was talking about like how in the old testament like it's all about god the father mm-hmm. and so like the jews knew god the father really really well and then we get to the new testament and we kind of see a shift a little bit, um, and not everyone follows Jesus. Um, but those that do, and then those Gentiles that do, you know, comes out of this, the New Testament. And so us Gentile folk in the modern day <laughs> love the New Testament um, because it's all about Jesus. And so we know Jesus really, really well. Um, but then we kind of get to this point of like, you know, we, what's like the Holy Spirit? Like, mm-hmm. we can see him a little bit, um, but kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do or how to interact. But it seemed like the disciples figured that out, um, and maybe we are interacting with him. But it's just kind of like this unknown period. But if you like, don't use the Old Testament at all, then you don't know God the Father at all. Mm-hmm. Like, and so like we're kind of like in this middle point of like we know Jesus really well, but we don't kind of know the end pieces, the the other yeah. two figures. Um, and he, Jeff was saying that like how over time, like Satan has kind of like used that of like, um, you know, it was like basically deterring other nations from like interacting with Israel. And then it, we get to Jesus's time and then Satan's like, yeah, dude, if you want to like, worship God the Father, go ahead, but, like, don't follow this Jesus guy. Whatever you do, like, I'm going to put all my cards in stopping you from becoming a follower of Jesus. And now it's kind of like he's doing something where we don't quite understand everything behind who the Holy Spirit is. Or we're missing, like, both pieces, like God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and we're kind of just focused on this the one so we only really are experiencing maybe like a third of who God is. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like like Satan is like trying to divide the Trinity. Mm. And kind of almost like make us pick sides. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I just know this guy really well. Like, I know Jesus really well. And I don't really get these other two, but it's like, they're, they're all one, though. <laughs> and we should like seek to know all three mm-hmm. really well. So how do you, how do we like... How do we get better about that? <laughs> what does that look like? I think it's it's going back to, I mean, got to know your Old Testament. The New mm-hmm. Testament comes out of the Old Testament. So if, you know, you don't understand the Old Testament, then you're, you're only getting, like, parts of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And it's like we can read these things on the surface and maybe get a general understanding of them, but there's so much more underneath that is there for us to discover. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the journey I've been on in like, well, my favorite book is now Genesis. <laughs> Didn't used to be like that. I love the letters of Paul. I mean, I still love the letters of Paul, mm-hmm. but uh, like there's just so much good stuff in Genesis that's recorded. And it's kind of like the intro to like everything that happens, you know, including Jesus and afterwards and, yeah. What we're living in now is, like, it's, like, the set-up narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often think of, like, the prophets and how they share of, like, Jesus is coming hundreds of years before he comes. Mm-hmm. And 
it's like, man, without knowing those things, like knowing that there was this awaited king, it's like Jesus coming to the cross is less powerful. There's less significance to it if he just went. But the fact that this is being talked about hundreds of years beforehand makes it so much more significant. (laughs) And that's like just one example of like Old Testament text that's really like caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And even it's cool because like some of them have a double meaning. Like Mm -hmm. they meant something for that people during the time period, but it's like, oh, it's also like, it's also foreshadowing Mm -hmm. this Messiah that's to come, um, which is like really cool. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, when we were talking the other day, you mentioned like Revelation four and five, mm-hmm. and there's some some things we can tie in there. You want to go there next? Yeah, let's go there. Kind of on the opposite end, uh, Revelation is my favorite book of scripture. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's this um, when I saw on the schedule that we were talking about Jesus's coronation, like instantly thought of like revelation like Mm -hmm. there is there's a coronation in revelation yeah and so kind of like what was happening is like john is writing this um so nero comes to power and starts um basically what is known as the christian persecution era um from 54 to 68 a.d um and then he kind of dies and there's some people in there that replace him um, and then there's this guy, Domitian, who, if people thought Nero was bad, he's, like, ten times worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his reign being from 81 to 96 AD. Um, but, like, he was super full of himself. Um, like, if other people liked worshiping them, or like the Caesar, the emperor, um, other people worshi- worshiping them, he was, like, double or triple that, like, mm-hmm. He was, like, all about himself um, and really enjoyed that, and a lot of people hated him. And, I mean, he dies because he's assassinated um, because people just hated him that much. Like, he was just a terrible guy. Like, the reign of terror um, was kind of, like, what he was known for. Um, And it's more specifically, like, in the Senate and then, like, on the people as well. So that's kind of, like, why he's assassinated. Um, but uh, one thing um, was that uh, these these Christians um, were kind of, like, that were being persecuted were also exiled to the island of Patmos, which is exactly where John writes his book in Revelation. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, so kind of, like, um, some things that I've written down um, about, like, Domitian's coronation that kind of is, like, what Revelation is talking about. Uh, we already talked about, like, the high priests and the elders, and those will come into play here um, pretty soon. Um, but, uh, so Domitian, kind of, like, at this point in time, um, was, like, building a gymnasium. Now, a gymnasium um, is not like a basketball court. <laughs> not <laughs> with, our picture with, of a gymnasium. <laughs> with locker rooms <laughs> and, yeah, not quite that. Um, but it was more of a, like, a training facility for, like, the Olympic Games and stuff. Or I guess that wouldn't be the Olympic Games yet, maybe. I don't know. The Roman Games. <laughs> the Roman Games. The game. Roman Games. Um, and so the second largest um, gymnasium at the time was in Sardis. And um, Domitian was kind of like, yo, I'm going to build this great gymnasium in Ephesus. Um, And so um, each emperor kind of like picked what they called a neochorus, which was like a capital city. Um, And where do you think Domitian picks his neochorus? Ephesus. <laughs> Ephesus. I was like, uh, the, the, home of his prized, the home of his prize project. Um, and so there's this like planned grand arrival um, of like, hey, I'm showing up. Also, my new gymnasium's like built. Yo, yeah. like, check yo, this check, out. <laughs> check it out. Check what I have already done for myself um, and for you. Um, also, like, 
I learned this that like the phrase like great arrival um like is like advent like advent means great arrival so we talk about like the advent yeah I was like whoa the great arrival of Jesus I mean like yeah, yeah. um the season we're currently in the <laughs> season we are currently in um leading up to the great the advent of Jesus the mm-hmm. great arrival of the king um and so at this time, you know, with his arrival and everything, um, just a lot of like electricity and excitement for this anticipated arrival of like this new gymnasium that's built the largest um, in the Roman Empire. Um, and so kind of like the song also that uh, would have been sung um uh, similar to like our hail to the chief, each emperor had like an arrival song, um, and one similar song that would have been similar um, is "Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come." Um, that kind of sounds similar to like things in the <laughs> Bible, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, because like you know the Caesar we talked about was seen as like God. And other names like Lord or God um, were used for Caesar. Um, But this song actually comes straight from like Isaiah 6, of where Isaiah is like in the throne room of God um, and kind of like gets to experience everything that's in there. Um, And the angels are the ones that are actually singing it. Um, So yeah, that that, uh, will all kind of like tie into kind of like some things that we're going to talk about. but as we talked about earlier, each emperor chose, like, several animals to represent themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so Domitian used the ox, which represented strength, the lion for veracity, and the Roman eagle. Um, and he erected several statues of himself um, and loved people worshipping him, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than a lot of the other emperors. And so at the gate of this um, gymnasium, or a lot of the gymnasiums, um, were wreaths with animals every 10 feet. Um, and so that kind of like represents um, who they are and kind of putting their mark on this gymnasium. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like everything that's going to kind of like lead in to Revelation 4 as we talk about it. Um, so yeah, I guess we just like dive in, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as you've like even just been talking, I've like just seen little words of scripture where I'm like, oh yeah, I can <laughs> I can see this like <sighs> parallel is mm, yeah. maybe the right word. <laughs> this parallel coronation. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here in Revelation four, so this is John writing. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. Hmm, maybe like the uh, twenty-four high priests. Interesting. Um, They were dressed in white and and had crowns of gold on their heads. Uh, We talked about that uh, the high priests were also dressed in white and Mm -hmm. had crowns on their heads. Or kind of like, yeah, 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 golden crowns. Um, And so from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Hmm. Maybe some of those animals were used uh, for Domitian. Hmm. Also, we were talking about um, signs from heaven. Um, how there yeah. was a sign from heaven. Um, from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. There in verse 5. So, mm, a lot of good stuff in here. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. 
even under its wings, day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's the uh, there's the Hail to the Chief song. Mm-hmm. Um, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. There's a lot to that. <laughs> There's a lot to that. Um, you pointed out a couple of them already, but... Yeah. So what would this, like, parallel... Like, this parallels to, like, these coronations, like, you shared. So what would this, like, coronation be about here? So basically, I think John is paralleling of, like... Well, I believe that, like, Revelation... Maybe not so much as a prophetic book, but maybe a book of encouragement. You know, we talk about like, uh, you know, they're being heavily persecuted at this time period. And um, in parallel with Domitian, um, John is like, yo, I've seen the throne room of heaven and guess who's not on it? Hmm. It's not Domitian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And kind of like this encouragement of like, hey. He's not God, mm-hmm. but we know who's God, yeah. and we serve an awesome God, and He's on the throne, and He's gonna, He's gonna take care of us. I mean, there's gonna be you know, persecution, but like, remember that everything that Jesus did, and who He was, and how He conquered death, mm-hmm. and we can find peace in knowing that, um, that He's on the throne. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you used the word encouragement there. I remember, like, I studied um, Revelation with the freshman girls last year. And so we went through this, I don't know, it was like two or three month study. And I remember what people would ask me after we got done with it. They're like, so what did you, like, learn in Revelation? Like, what's what's just been really good? And I was like, this is one of the most encouraging, like, texts and people are like, the book of Revelation, encouraging. Like, have you read it? And I was like, yeah, but do you see what it's filled with? Like, God is continually, he's like, you know, you're going to face all of these really hard things. Like, the world is ending. <laughs> but there's, like, so many pieces of encouragement. Like, you just said, like, guess who's not on the throne? Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, it's just encouraging. I don't know. So I really like that that word there. Yeah, and um, other things that, my study study Bible is telling me here in the footnotes. Um, in verse five, the flashes of lightning, thunder, and blazing um, says symbolic of awesome majesty and the power of God. And then it gives a reference back to God at Sinai in Exodus. Hmm. The depiction of God's coming in mighty power to deliver his people. So kind of almost yeah. the same thing of like, hey, He's coming in mighty power, and he's going to deliver you from th- from Rome, from mm-hmm. the Roman emperor who thinks he's God, who thinks he's got it all figured out. Like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I-, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't, don't worry. <laughs> and I think that's so applicable to right now, too. Like, so often people are just worried about the state of our world mm-hmm. and whatever things that we're going through. And, like... I mean, we look at the rest of the world and we have it pretty good here in America, but, like, God's still saying the same thing to us. Like, like don't worry, these people aren't on that throne <laughs> in heaven. Or don't worry, these things, like, I'm going to rescue you from. Like, it, it's still applicable to us today. Yeah. Also says, um, um, Ezekiel in a vision saw four living creatures, mm-hmm. each with the same four features. Um, and then, so John's doing a lot here. Um, man, he's pulling from a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about, like, Isaiah, too, um, which is mentioned here as well. Um, kind of like Isaiah being in the throne room. Um, and here it says, you know, Revelation 40 is the first of five praise hymns. Um, the first two are directed to God the Father, 
the next two, God the Son, and the final one to both, who was, who is, who is to come. I don't really think that's good. Yeah. It's a, lot of, a lot of good stuff here, man. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about, like, the importance of knowing Old Testament scripture. Yeah. Revelation references the Old Testament more than any other book mm. in the New Testament would. And so without knowing other, without knowing the Old Testament, Revelation really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's cycling back and looking at those different things. I, especially like, I think Ezekiel and Isaiah are quoted more than other books. too. Yeah. And I think also like John is, is giving a message of hope and kind of like what he's paralleling with, you know, um, the the majesty of God in Exodus of like remember this like oppression that we faced for like four hundred some years and remember what God did he didn't forget us yeah he like displayed his power and brought us out and declared us like as his people mm-hmm. and like basically he's saying like that is coming like yeah we're gonna get out of this mm-hmm He's really like, what he's speaking into is how God is going to fulfill all of these things mm-hmm. that are talked about through all of Scripture. Yeah, like he's not he's not here to change it or remove anything, but to fulfill it. Yeah, much like Jesus was was there to fulfill the law, not remove anything from it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also have some stuff here um, about Revelation five that I kind of jotted down. Um, talking about the scrolls and the lamb, um, Mm -hmm. it kind of ties back into Exodus a little bit. Um, yeah, so let's just go ahead and read through five and read through five. Um, so then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, uh, the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sing a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Before we get any further... um, I kind of wanted to, before I forget, talk about the numbers. Um, numbers are very poetic and symbolize something. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about, like, the four creatures, four often was symbolic for, um, like, they talk about, like, the, the four winds of the earth or mm-hmm. um, symbolic in Peter's vision of how there was a blanket that came down that had four corners on it. Um, well, four was often symbolic of, like, Gentiles, like, mm-hmm. pagan nations, 
Um, so I think that's worth noting there um, in Revelation chapter 4 of how there's four living creatures um, in there kind of drawing back to um, the pagans. And also um, seven, seven being symbolic of like the seven days of creation or mm-hmm. um, basically like completion. Yeah. So basically saying like drawing back to Rome, but also to, um, you know, Jesus who died of like, it's done, it's finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, again, we talk about this message of hope and encouragement of like, you don't have to worry. Like there's a silver lining and it's on mm-hmm. the horizon. Yeah. And there's even more of that. Um, in Revelation 5. Um, and so, in this coronation, um, oftentimes they would have uh, pronouncements put on large scrolls um, to display the Caesars or the emperor's um, greatness. Um, and, yeah, they would have displayed their greatness and any achievements that they may have had um, on them basically saying, like, I'm qualified or I'm worthy or look how great mm-hmm. I am. Um, and then, right, like, having writing on both sides of the scroll was basically like saying um, the greatness of this king is so great that we could not fit it on one side. We had to fit it on both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of like in in, like, the synagogue... Um, sometimes there would be a plaque above, like, the Moses seat um, where kind of, like, where Torah was read, Mm -hmm. uh, where the text was read, um, and basically saying, like, only he who is worthy um, take, open, and read. And so John's, like, freaking out here. He's like, dude, there's nobody worthy. And even says that he, like, kind of weeps, is sad. Um that no one's worthy, and then here we see the Lamb of God just being like, yo, hand hand that to me, I I got this. (laughs) Um, And, you know, his scroll being, I'm sure, so great that, you know, if there was a third side, they would have to write it on the third (laughs) side um, of of the scroll. Um, Yeah, and basically the scrolls of God um, in the synagogue um, were only allowed to be read by those that are walking in righteousness. And each scroll um, had a seal on it mm-hmm. um, that would need to be, like, broken or open each time they w- decided to uh, read it. So that's kind of, like, what it's talking about. And, like, the seals, um, and I think it goes on in, yeah, like, Revelation 6, it talks more about, like, the seals and everything mm-hmm. and the significance behind those. Um, and so playing back to... Um, kind of like Exodus, um, the slain lamb was uh, a symbol of revolution. Um, And so it's kind of like almost saying the same thing here of like God's people are being persecuted just like in Exodus here. And here we have the symbol of this slain lamb of like, again, this message of hope, Mm -hmm. this message of encouragement of like, not gonna last forever yeah yeah that's one of the, like i th- i think i like we look at the world and we're like god how long could how long can this go on for mm. and further into revelation everyone in heaven is asking that same question like god how how much longer are you going to keep doing this <laughs> like you see what's going on <laughs> and his response is like not enough of my people are here yet and so the, I feel like there's just so much hope in in this book because it's like God's like I'm I'm waiting for the, all the people to be here, and then the world's gonna end, but like they're not here yet. And like as I studied this last year, like this scroll, like if you are a follower of Jesus, your name is written in there. Mm. And so as it, like when Christ comes to the slain lamb comes to open this scroll, like your name's going to be on it. And, like, there's so much hope in that. (laughs) Yeah. 
You can think of like what that would have meant to the people at the time period. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah, you might, you might die, but that's only like an earthly death. Mm-hmm. Of like, there's this great thing waiting for you. Maybe yeah. you're stepping into it now. Maybe you're living it out now. You feel the freedom mm-hmm. now. Um, but how much more? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as there goes on to be like a lot of destruction and revelation, frequently God explains like physically you are going to suffer. Spiritually you will not. Mm-hmm. And how he protects us spiritually. Yeah. Physically our bodies are, I mean, we go back to Genesis, like from dust we were made mm-hmm. to dust we will go. Like our bodies are going to to sustain a lot of hurt. A lot of breaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know that you know that all well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is just filled with so much hope though. And a note that I have um in I have this written specifically on verse fourteen, but really like we look at the four living creatures and you already mentioned like those that would have oftentimes represented like Gentiles, pagan cultures and stuff like, um, but really like what God is also trying to represent there is like, this is all of creation. Mm. Like all of creation is going to come and like is going to come and worship and be a part of this. Yeah. And they're worshiping the lamb. Mm hmm. Who is, again, not Domitian. Yeah. Yeah, just, um, yeah, there's so much good stuff here. And, um, you know, we talk about, again, God being relational and, like, telling his people exactly what they need to hear at the exact right time. Um, And I even had some conversations with people of um, just, like, prayer or like man i just like i'm not really hearing anything from god right now mm-hmm. or like you know other people are like you know can clearly hear like they're experiencing things and i don't know why like why i'm not experiencing things and basically i've told them like be patient mm-hmm. maybe your time of what god's going to tell you you're not ready for it right now maybe you're so busy or distracted that like if God were to say it to you right now, it would just be another passing thought mm-hmm. or another voice that just kind of goes in and out. And when you're patient and you remember who God is, like, and you just wait. Sometimes he just wants us to wait. Because if we knew everything, mm-hmm. sometimes we mess things up. But uh, he's going to give it to us exactly mm-hmm. at the time we need it. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with Travis and Matthew Decker this morning, and Matthew mentioned, like, the burning bush with Moses at one point, and just, like, this grand sign, essentially, and I, as I read about that throughout this year, something that really, like, stood out to me is that that was, like, there would have been hundreds of times that Moses could have walked by a burning bush, and he was not prepared to hear from God in that way. Mm. And so God knew, like, when to approach him in that manner, when his attention would be would be captivated by that. And so similarly, like you're saying, like, God knows when we need to hear something, when we're prepared to hear something. Like, we could walk by that hundreds of times, but God, like, divinely points something out in a specific moment because he knows we're ready to stop and listen and take a break yeah. And only pay attention to him instead of everything else going on around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, how long would it, that bush had been burning where, like, Moses is like, well, it's, like, still on fire, but it's, like, <laughs> it's still there. Like, I've been watching this thing for, like, an hour, and it's just, like, it's not going down. Or maybe it's been more than hours, yeah. you know. It was like, Okay. I guess I'll walk over and check it out. Like mm-hmm. where you're saying like, okay, maybe it's my time yeah, to to stop and listen. I think that's another thing too is like 
talking about Jordan's message that was a while ago of like slow down. Mm-hmm. Like we think a million things have to happen or I got to go to do this or that or this or that or this or that or this or that. And like talking with Greggy K yesterday, <laughs> um, him being like, yeah, like you got to learn when to stop and when to like slow down. Um, and even like I'm reading um, Between Two Trees right now with um, like the cross country group. And um, it's talking about like God's voice and how like um, basically like we can hear God better and more clearly in our pain and brokenness because sometimes we don't have a choice, but we have to slow down. Like Mm -hmm. we're almost forced to slow down. And then like we can hear God much clearer. And it's like he is saying stuff to us um, like all throughout our day, but maybe we're just too busy to notice um, those little things. But then there's points where he's like, you really need to get this. Like, yeah. I'm going to scream it at you. Yeah. Um, But it's also really cool that, like, God speaks to us, like, in our own language, like, in Mm -hmm. ways that we're going to notice. Yeah. And he, like, does that for everyone. He knows, like, everything that, like, is going to make someone, like, stop and be like, Mm -hmm. whoa, there's something different about this. Um, And kind of like, yeah. Yeah. You, You mentioned, Greg, something that he shared with me before is, and this is just like part of the nature of our culture is to compare ourselves and we see everybody else so often, but we we see God speaking to other people and, and there are often times, like we need those stories. We need to hear what God's doing in other people's lives. But then we go, God, why aren't you doing that for me? And instead of like looking at what we don't have, what God's doing for somebody else, it's like, God, what have you done for me? What are you doing for me? And it's looking at what we've been given, not what we're we're missing. And that like totally flips our perspective then on how God is communicating with us. Because it's like, okay, God, you're communicating to Lance in this way. And I see that. And that's really cool. So how are you communicating to me then? Because it's, it is different. It's going to be different. It shouldn't be the same. We're not, we're not the same people. Yeah. And so instead of looking at things of, God, why am I missing that? It's, it's just what God is. God, what are you showing me? And how are you showing me these things? And so it's the the expectation difference, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, we talk about, like, being patient and, like, being still in the waiting. And, like, that's something, like, I really struggle with. It's, like, mm-hmm. I want to I know the path that's, like, ten steps ahead <laughs> of me. Um, but sometimes it's not clear. Like, I don't, I don't need to know. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know. I just need to know, um, like when to do the right thing in the moment. Yeah. And, um, to just be present where I am now. And when that thing comes, just, just be obedient in it and mm-hmm. to follow what God's, uh, doing and talking with Greg yesterday. Um, like, he was talking about like being content with the the mystery mm-hmm. or the uncertainty, um, and he's like, "That's what makes it so awesome." It's like once you find how to be like content in the mystery or the uncertainty, like it almost excites you of like, "What's next? What's God going to say to me next?" Or how is you know God going to use this thing that I've been walking through for you know months now and like, mm-hmm. um. What what is how is that how is the fruit gonna come? Yeah. After I've been doing this thing for for months and months and months, like when is that gonna show up? Um, and rather than like being anxious or worried about it, but being like excited of like mm-hmm. I know this is gonna come and God's gonna use this, and I can't wait for it to happen. And right now I'm just I'm just patient. Mm-hmm. I'm present. And whatever God has for me next, I'll just be obedient in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's something when I, a couple months ago, it's kind of weird that that's a couple months ago already, when I got that phone call from Keller and was like trying to discern whether or not I'm still supposed to be at Trine, um, 
it was so encouraging. Both Greg and Jordan shared this with me. But they were like, what's right now? What's the right thing? Not what's the right thing five years from now. What's not what's like, like you don't need to know the answer of where this is going to take you, whether you're staying or you're leaving. Like you don't need to know the answer. You just need to know what's right right now. I was like, oh, well, God's telling me to stay here right now. Then, then I know, like I know to just be content in that. And whatever happens five years down the road or however long, that'll be right then. But right now, this is it. And I think we get just so caught up in like, oh, but God, what are you going to do then? <laughs> He's like, look at what I'm doing right now. <laughs> can can you just like be present right now <laughs> and see what I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the most like greatest pieces of advice I learned this summer. Just asking other campus ministers, like, what do you have for the new guy? Like, what can you tell mm-hmm. the new guy who's, like, stepping into this? Like, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have? And basically, and even pulling from Brother Lawrence the, and what Jordan read over the summer, um, is, like, God doesn't expect that much from us. Um, he just expects us to be obedient. Yeah. And it's, like, if you're just present in the moments and you're obedient, that's kind of just what... God wants Mm -hmm. like it's not all on you to like invest in all these people or do all these things or do you know all these uh, million things that like ministry requires of you or um, what God or what you feel like God is Mm -hmm. asking you to do or being a part of like I have to be a part of all these small groups or all these things that are going on and um, you know that's it's not true like because if you're involved in so much how can you go deep in one area and that was, like, some a big lesson I learned, too, is, like, you know, I want to do all these things and, like, invest in so many people and how I want to spend my time in the evenings and um, even, like, over the summer and stuff of what I want to do. And it was, like, man, if I did everything, then, like, I, I'm so divided that, like, mm-hmm. it's just all surface level. Yeah. It's all surface level and you're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, another good thing is just, like, you got to create space in your schedule for, like, God to fill that space. Mm-hmm. Like, for God to move. And maybe that's through, um, you know, something he's been trying to say to you. Or maybe it's through, like, another person. Like, one thing recently I've been praying for is, like, divine appointments or, like, interruptions mm-hmm. in my day. Because I know that, like, in those, that's, like, where, like, the good, deep ministry happens yeah. is, like, when you're interrupted, when you have to stop <laughs> doing what you're doing and you have to slow down mm-hmm. um, and you can speak into those moments. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, like, a another way of, like, having open space for God to do something last Wednesday, I think, I was late to everything. And I, like, I don't like being late to things. But I just, like, I had this space. Like, there was this little bit of a gap everywhere in my day that everything could just slowly shift. So as I was late to everything, and God was just like, can you just be present with this person? And I was like, there's somebody else waiting. I was like, it's okay. <laughs> and But it just, like, made for this, like, because there was space in my schedule for God, all of the things that needed to happen still did. There were still really great conversations and they were honestly probably better because I wasn't rushing out of them and into the next one. And so it's like, yeah, like give God space either to interrupt you or just let you like slow down. Yeah. And even the book that we were talking about over the, sorry, Jordan just walked by (laughs) speaking of him. Um, (laughs) The book that we read over the summer, it was like, you know, whatever you think is going like that task or meeting is going to take, like give it time and a half. Even Jordan was like, mm. give it double time. Like, yeah. Um, and then it's like, you know, you're not rushed. You can just be with this person. If the meeting goes longer, it goes longer. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and it's like, is, is the next thing like so important that like you have to cut off like what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. To go to the next thing. Yeah. We don't really have time to dive into all of that, but that's like <laughs> the culture of our Western life. 
and like admire the Eastern culture mm. and their lack of structure and time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because like whatever is present and in the moment matters more. Yeah. But we're like, no, whatever the next matters more. Yeah. And I really think there's an aspect that we have pretty backwards in that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. All right. Um, thanks for being here, Lance. This was good. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. I'm glad we got to dive into dive deeper into scripture than what we typically get to do here. So <laughs> yeah. that was good. <clears throat> so if you need any information on the Take Two podcast or anything CCH Trine related, make sure to follow us on social media. Check out the CCH Trine app and we'll keep you posted on season two, which will be out in January. Um, catch you soon. Thank you.